I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. So let's get into it. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. That is Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. And these are the mock drafts. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah. Uh, actually, I want to start with Mel Kuypers. Um, okay. Kuyper put one out yesterday. And the reason I want to start with Kuyper is because he's got Washington taking a corner. Um, just real quick to roll through the picks prior. Uh, he's got Stroud going one, uh, Bryce Young going two, a trade for uh, Indianapolis swapping with Arizona, three and four. Levis goes three. Will Anderson goes four. Anthony Richardson, five to Seattle, which I don't get why you'd mock a quarterback to Seattle at five, considering they just re-signed Geno, but that's a different discussion for the... I, I know it's a one-year... I know it's only really a one-year deal, but that's a that's for the Seahawks podcaster for a later podcast with us. Uh, Lions, he's got taking Jalen Carter. Gonzalez and Witherspoon go seven and eight to so the two top corners off the board. Paris Johnson, nine to Chicago. Skaronsky, 10 to Philadelphia. Tyree Wilson to Tennessee. Nolan Smith, freaky edge from Georgia, goes 12 to Houston. Jets take Broderick Jones, so another tackle gone. Patriots take Joey Porter Jr., uh, Lucas Van Ness goes 15 to Green Bay. And then he's got Emmanuel Forbes, the corner from Mississippi State, who weighs all of 166 pounds, but is a 4-3-5 guy who went toe-to-toe with a bunch of SEC receivers and held up all year uh, and over multiple years. He's got Emmanuel Forbes going 16 to Washington. What do you make of that? So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Usually they specify in their mock drafts whether they're promoting trades. I I I I really they, like they they are in that one Kuiper because he does a trade earlier from yeah. three to or three and four swapping right okay so if I, I do I like Emmanuel Forbes yes do I think he's an excellent football player yes does he have the best ball production of any corner in this draft class yes is he he's got this he's 166 pounds but he's will he's a willing tackler he's physical he's got long arms he's got good change of direction he's a he's a ball player you know he's 166 pounds so I do think that this is a little bit high, but do I understand why Mel Kuyper has him selected here? Yes. What I would say to Mel Kuyper in a perfect world, and that now this is drafts kind of philosophy here, is if I'm Washington, I'm trading back out of the spot, 100, 100 out of 100. And that's, not, and that's not a knock on Forbes. It's just I don't know if the difference between Forbes and Deontay Banks is that big. 
right? right? He's got banks for whatever it's worth going 17 right after them. To, oh, wow. To Pittsburgh. Yeah. So he's got these corners really jacked up. And I, so this is something interesting. Like we're going to get into a little bit of draft philosophy here, but yeah, let's do the it. positions of value in this draft, I think we've mentioned this before, are cornerback, edge rusher, and offensive line to a certain extent, right? So while there are other positions of value like tight end, running back, their positional value is lower than those other groups, right? So the reason I want to bring that up is like, think about if you were to draft a tight end in the first round, he would be the, he would be a top five paid player at the position, right? Cause he's just getting this, you know, what is it? It's 15 million a year or something like that. It's a big contract number, guaranteed contract number. Well, no, no, not, not the first round pick. Uh, it's like 15 million total. Right. But it's guaranteed money, right? Is that, is that it is, but like your cap hit is not, not right. very high, but what I'm saying is that like that guaranteed value is like similar to some of the top guys at the position, you know what I mean? In terms of that year for that year. So like I, what I, what I'm saying is like, you get a, you get a top tight end making 14 million a year. You drop to tight end in the first round. It's let's say it's 5 million a year, just hypothetically. Right. Mm. If I draft a tackle in the first round, I'm getting a tackle at 5 million a year. The top tackles in the league are getting paid 30 million a year, 25, 27 million a year. So why am I going to waste that first round selection financially on something where I get much more return for my buck on like a quarterback, on a DB, on a receiver, on an offensive lineman, on an edge rusher, right? So I think those positions, DB, edge, offensive line are going to get inflated because positional value for them is so high. Running back, tight end should, and I think will get pushed down. So that is just kind of a philosophical kind of analytics approach to the draft. I do think that you want to get a corner in this draft. I do, would it be would I be stoked if it was Emmanuel Forbes? Yes. Would I be a little disappointed if it was at sixteen? Probably. But I understand the selection. I would just trade back. I think you can get good players later in the round. You know, Tyreek Stevenson from Miami is a good football player. Um, I can't like. There's a million of them. But what I'm saying is like trade back, add more picks later in the later in the draft. And that's another thing: is this draft worth trading back in? That's something I want to bring up to you because a lot of people say they're having a hard time filling out their top 80 or top 90 spots. So if I trade back, am I getting someone who's really going to be a game changer for me offensively or defensively? I don't know. But do I like the pick? Yes. Do I like the approach? Yes. Do I like the positional value? Yes. It just is Emmanuel Forbes going to go that high based on stuff I've been reading? I don't think so. But do I like the player? Do I like the philosophy? Do I like the approach? Yes. Yeah. Was that, I'm trying to remember back because I don't, in all my draft prep last year, I don't remember ever seeing Jahan Dotson as high as the commanders ultimately took him. Right. So, um, and, and a- so it feels a little like that where it's like, okay, this guy's a little undersized. He doesn't necessarily fit the, what you'd expect to be the 16th pick at a wide receiver. And turns out he's freaking awesome. And if that's Emmanuel Forbes, sweet, sign me up. Is he a slight overdraft at 16 potentially based off with the lead? Like, could you have traded back a couple of spots? Yeah. But you'd rather like, I'd rather slightly overpay, if you will, in this this situation than completely miss the player. Like this isn't, you know, I, I this is now on top of mind because I talked about it heavy on the radio show yesterday. The amount you're going to have to overpay to get Lamar Jackson out of Baltimore is not worth the overpay. Right. The amount of overdraft you might have to take to draft a guy like Emmanuel Forbes four picks higher than he probably should right. go. I don't care about that. As opposed to not having him is worth it. If, if, if you think he's your guy, right? Which again, right. I don't know what they think. And that was the thing about Jahan. When I remember, I remember talking to a couple of receivers coaches around the league and before the draft last year, and it was very apparent to me that the league was higher on Jahan than 
um, than the media was on Jahan, right? Mm -hmm. They liked what he did. They liked how he caught the ball. They liked his route running acumen. He was just ready to go. And so I think I haven't done my DB stuff yet in terms of talking to coaches, but I would imagine that the stuff he brings is very, very valuable regardless of size. So could I, could he get pumped up like this? Absolutely. Especially if there's a run on corners, like there was in this draft, right? Cause he had Joy Porter jr. Going, he's got, yeah, he's got, uh, the two top two going seven and eight and then Joey Porter jr. Going, uh, 14, where'd he go? 14, uh, somewhere in that between. Yeah. 14 to new England. Yeah. 14. So, you know, if, if there's a little bit of a run and you're feeling a little bit froggy, like why not? But I do think, you know, like when I talk to analytics people about the draft this year, if you're taking a corner at 16, they think it's kind of foolish because there's a whole bunch of guys with really high grades, starting caliber grades. So if you can trade back, right? And we talked about already how if you trade back, you get in that, you're still in that second tier of cornerbacks, which I think Emmanuel Forbes is in. I think he's the top end of that second tier. So I like the pick at 16, but I would also say that you trade back and now you're in that kind of second wave of offensive tackle too which again is a very high right. position of value. So I think that's kind of where I would edge in this situation. But, you know, like like you said, if you're drafting a guy that you love at 16 as opposed to 20 and you get the guy that you want, then that's the right move. Interestingly enough, Banks is the last corner he has going in the in, first. Which is where? Uh, uh, which is right after at, 17. At 17. So no Pittsburgh. more corners, huh? No more corners in the first. So he's got Can you just read the rest of it. Just, just yeah. So Banks Banks at 17 to Pittsburgh, Michael Mayer to the Lions at 18, Darnell Wright 19 to the Bucks, uh Smith and Jigba to Jacksonville, or sorry, to uh Seattle at 20, Dalton Kincaid 21 to the Chargers, Zay Flowers 22 to the Ravens, which just feels like a super Ravensy pick, by the way. Zay like Flowers. everyone loves Zay Flowers. He's everyone's he's like good. he's awesome. He's a good football player. And then he's going to go to Baltimore and be very good. <laughs> uh, or we'll go to Baltimore and stink because the Ravens are bad at receiver. Uh, Vikings take Quentin Johnson, uh, wide receiver out of TCU, uh, kind of an Adam Thielen replacement. Will McDonald, the fourth defensive end, Iowa State to Jacksonville at twenty-four. Jordan Addison, twenty-five. Giants have taken so many receivers out of Southern Cal over the years. Uh, Cowboys take out of Baware, uh, defensive end out of Northwestern uh, at 26. Yeah. Bajan Robinson, 27 to Buffalo, who's a super interesting guy in this draft. Uh, Darnell Washington, the freaky tight end out of Georgia, goes 28 to Cincinnati. Uh, Brian Brees, or Brian Breesy? Brees? Yeah, sorry, Brees. sorry, Brian. Uh, he goes to New Orleans. Uh, which, by the way, that pick is New Orleans via Denver, Miami, San Francisco. The pick has been traded <laughs> a lot. Uh, Philadelphia takes the Cansey, the DT out of Pittsburgh. Uh, and then uh, Andike Uzoma, the DN out of Kansas State to Kansas City at 31. Yeah. So that's that. So that, I mean, that, that feels like, a, like the second half of that feels right. Now, yeah. you could get into maybe a corner bumps in, maybe a tackle, maybe like a Dewan Jones, maybe like an Anton Harrison um, bumps in there and kicks one of those guys out. But that 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 it, those names are going to get drafted in the top 50 picks, most likely, unless something crazy yeah. comes out. So you feel good about that, that positioning. But that's interesting that no more corners made it in. But I, I kind of feel I, I don't disagree with him in terms of the ranking of his cornerbacks. And I, I mean, I. I really like Emmanuel Forbes. So if he's a good, if he's here as a football player next year, I'm going to be pretty stoked about that. Yeah. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Uh, let's let's switch over to Daniel Jeremiah's mock, which is one. I hate we do this a segment? Pick, by the way. Yeah, I, well, there's a lot of picks in this one that I'm not super fond of. Um, we do a segment on the radio now called Mock the Mock. This one was pretty easy to make fun of. Right. There's just a lot of, now, it, it doesn't help uh, DJ, who I like, by the way. I think he's very Yeah, good. DJ's awesome. Um, and super nice guy. Uh, but he does not have any traits in his mock. So that does hurt the ability to look like a genius i think on your mocks because sometimes you're like that is a terrible pick they should definitely trade out and it's not an option for him so he's got bryce young going to carolina at one stroud going two to houston will anderson three to arizona that seems very correct mm-hmm. uh richardson four to indy which i actually kind of love richardson going to shane steichen um five jalen carter six devin witherspoon to the lions Tyree Wilson goes seven to Las Vegas. Gonzalez goes eight to the Falcons. Nine, Skaronsky to Chicago. Peter Skaronsky just sounds like a Chicago Bear. Doesn't it? I mean, what a, what a name. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Van Ness to Philly, which doesn't that's, make a ton of sense. I, dude, I know but that's, like, that's their philosophy, though. Like, I yeah. can see that happening. Uh, 11, Tennessee. He's got Jackson Smith and Jigbo, which seems way too way high. high. It does seem high. But if he's your best receiver, okay, we'll talk about that in a second. I'll make a note of that. 11. Go ahead. Uh, 12, Houston, Miles Murphy from Clemson. 13, Nolan Smith goes to the Jets. 14, Bajan Robinson goes to the Patriots, mm. running back. Uh, Paris Johnson goes 15 to Green Bay. And then Dalton Kincaid goes 16 to Washington. Let's just talk about that pick first. And then I want to talk about at least one other player who's still on the board that if Washington, like if Washington winds up in this situation, super interesting decision to make. But what about Kincaid? Yeah. So I basically, I'm a tight end. I love tight ends. I think it's one of the best mismatched positions in football, but I hate this pick. I hate picking a tight end in the first round. And I just think the precedent, the history set by the position recently is that first round tight ends don't necessarily lead to first round production, right? Rob Gronkowski, um, Hernandez, all later round picks, Gates, later round pick, um, like any, like George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kelsey, Kelsey, right? They're all later round picks. And again, I think it's just a really hard position to evaluate. And I also think it's a position, a, a position that is so scheme dependent, much like linebacker defensively. And people say, oh, well, Eric Bieniemy had a great tight end in Kansas City. He needs a great tight end here. I don't necessarily see that as a huge need. I think Logan Thomas, I think the guys they have here are very traits driven. I think they had, I, I, I so I basically, I think, based on positional value, based on scheme fit, based on the value of other positions still on the board, I would be shocked if they did this. Shocked. And not only that, this is not a knock on Dalton Kincaid. He's basically like a big slot receiver. So you have a guy in Jahan or Curtis Samuels who's going to do that for you anyway. So you're going to take one of those guys off the field to put Dalton Kincaid on the field because he cannot, like while I think he's a willing blocker, he's not overly physical. 
right? So is he twitchy enough? Is he dynamic enough to kind of make these plays? He reminds me a little bit of Hunter Henry, kind of that vibe, you know, not overly mm-hmm. twitchy, but kind of savvy and has enough twitch to kind of say, well, maybe. So I don't know. I just think that's like, uh, I think it's really high for him. I think he's, and then the other thing, I, I lost my train of thought there, but this tight end class is insanely deep. There's probably nine, 10, 11, 11 guys, I would say, that are have starter grades, in my opinion. So wow. 11? Why, why would I take this guy when I can get <sighs> Sam Laporta in the second round, who's way more productive, way more physical, like ran faster so far? Kincaid hasn't run his, his 40 yet, but I'm saying is a much better football player at this point in his career and would fit in this system or the system they ran last year, much, much better. So I don't know. I look at that and I say, "Eh," or the kid from Cincinnati who catches the football, you know, there's a ton of guys that are going to come in and contribute from this group. I don't want to burn a pick at 16 on a tight end in my, in this year's draft and just generally. Yeah, no. I mean, if you have, if you have Kyle Pitts, maybe, um, because well, you just know he's he's a different animal. But also, like so far, I don't know that they've justified using the fourth pick on Kyle Pitts. The fourth pick is different than the sixteenth pick, but right. And so Kyle Pitts is a great example. Like he is the he was the easiest tight end I've ever evaluated. He's big. He's fast. He's got great body control. He can win versus corners. He can beat linebackers. He can block a defensive end. He could do whatever you wanted him to do. And schematically, they just haven't utilized him. So. Was the evaluation wrong? No, but I'm saying it's such a scheme-driven position. Like receivers, for example, they're they're kind of inherently drawn into the offense. You're throwing the football, you need a receiver, right? Tight ends, there's a schematic element. You look at Kansas City and the production uh, Kelsey gets. Now, he's a fantastic route runner, but they put him in situations and they call plays for him that are a little bit unconventional because he's the main feature of their offense. And I think that that's something that, fans understand when you have a productive tight end look at any of the any of the really productive guys like they are the feature of the offense andrews in baltimore kittle when debo's out is the feature in san francisco he gets a lot of very specific targets you would need to cultivate the offense around that position in my in my opinion to justify that pick at 16 and i don't think that Mm -hmm. that's that's worth it you know yeah, well, especially with this receiver group, that would be malpractice to, hey, well, let's draft a tight end at 16 and ignore those receivers we got out there. Right. Uh, bad idea, bad idea.